beginning of chapter 17, um, Elijah is put in this position where God tells him to go and prophesy to the king that there is going to be a drought. And you may not think this is a big deal until you're the person that has to live in that nation where there is going to be a drought. And so he's put in a position to prophesy that there is going to be a drought that's going to affect people's lives. But God was good to him. And even in a time where it looks like it could be tough because of a drought, God says, hey, I have a brook that you're going to go and live by, so there will be water for you. And I'm going to feed you every day. Don't worry about it. I got you taken care of. And so that point of the story, everything looks good for Elijah till the point where the brook dries up. And now what do you do? Where do you go? Because in one season, it looked like everything was good. And now you're in a new season and things are coming out of nowhere. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go through one stretch of life and it seems like you got a lot of momentum and everything is going fine. Everything is going good. And you take one chance, you make one change, and next thing it just feels like all hell has broken loose in your life. Anybody ever lived that kind of life before? And you're trying to figure out what went wrong. How did I get to this point? What did I do? What did I do wrong? What did somebody else do wrong? Who's in the house acting a fool that I need to get rid of? You know what I'm saying? Like, it really makes you evaluate some things. And so Elijah, he gets some direction again from the Lord. The Lord tells him, I want you to go to, to Zarephath. That's a weird name and city, but if God tells you to go, you go where he says to go. So he goes to Zarephath. This is about the middle of chapter 17. And he says, go there, and there's going to be a widow who is there that is going to feed you. She's going to help you out. And so Elijah's just feeling like, hey, God's good. God's a provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, he's more than enough for me. And so he takes off, and he goes down to Zarephath. But when he meets the widow, it's not what he expected. I don't know if he thought that whenever her husband died that she had a lot of, he had a lot of money put up for her and that she was going to be well taken care of. And so this was going to be easy street for him. And, but when he arrives there and meets this widow, this is what he finds out. They only have a little bit of food left in their house and their plan was to eat the meal. And whatever happens after that, they were probably going to die. This is the widow that he encounters. And you're probably sitting there saying, God, do you even know what you're doing? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like if God said this person's going to take care of you and they're broke, it doesn't look like God's really going to take care of you. So he obeys and he goes and he finds the woman and he has a choice if he's going to actually act like a prophet and use the principles of God or if he's just going to respond out of the poverty, out of the need and just say, yeah, can I have a little bit? Let's all die together. Let's all fall to pieces together. And he decides instead that I'm going to act like a prophet. And he acts upon the principles of God, puts them to work in the woman's life. She responds, does it, and God multiplies their food source so they're able to eat. So everything is just going really, really good at this point. There's a few close moments. God brought him to a place there was a need to, to help him realize what he was able to do. Come on. And this woman, she had a need, and God brought somebody in her life, and so God's working it all together. And so time goes on. Everything seems to be going good. Then we get to the end of chapter 17, and tragedy strikes. Because now this woman, this widow, who was helping take care of this man of God, her son has died. 
And now she's trying to figure out what in the world have I gotten myself into? Like this guy shows up and like it's kind of rocky. And now this is occurring. My son has died. And I've learned this about mamas. You can mess with a lot of stuff. Just don't mess with their kids. Am I right? Just don't mess with their kid. And so she's like, look, Elijah, you got to do something, buddy. I know you're a prophet and all this stuff, but my son has died, and it seems like it is your fault. Today, I want to talk about this, this story, because Elijah, this whole thing was actually a setup, and Elijah was about to do something that he had never done before. I need, I need you to understand that. He was set up in a place to do something that he had never, ever done done before and I think there's a lot of people trying to figure out their life trying to figure out where they want to go and a lot of the things that you're trying to figure out are found in things that you have never ever done before and those are the scary places remember when we started this whole series we talked about how God will move you from the place of normal and listen we agree about that as long as it's our friends that we're praying for but when god starts moving us out of our routine and god starts moving us out of our normal that's where it's like hold up hold up lord what are you doing i don't like it at all do that to them and let the good things flow into my life from them but what happens when god knocks on the door and says hey let's mess with your routine let's mess with your life because i've got something for you that you won't find in the norm this is what's happening with this whole story with Elijah. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. Elijah is this man of God that is given the position of being a prophet, okay? So as a prophet, this is really what he is supposed to do. He's, a, he's supposed to speak God's word into certain situations. He, he's anointed by God. He's set up by God to be a mouthpiece, to be a voice, to speak into people's lives, to speak into certain situations, to give some direction, Maybe a little correction, some information, perhaps some encouragement, perhaps some warning. This is his place as a prophet to be able to speak. And this is something that God has set up. In fact, in the New Testament book of Ephesians, it says that it's one of the gifts that God gave to the church, which is a prophet, someone that would speak on God's behalf. And so this is what Elijah is doing. And so when we look at Elijah, and I need you to pay close attention here, when we look at him, we see his position as a prophet, and therefore we just begin saying, okay, if he is a prophet, then this is what he does. Thinking that this is all there is to his life. No different than a person who is maybe a doctor. If you just think that all a doctor does is doctor stuff, there's a whole other part of their life, like family and hobbies and other stuff that's involved. Just like me as a preacher, you think this is all I do? I have a life, y'all. Seriously, that's like you. You go to work. Let's say you. Let's say you work in the dental field. That's not all you do. You're just going there to pay the bills. Am I right? Do a good job with it, but there's more to your life than it. But yet, somehow or another, when it comes to our purpose, when it comes to trying to figure out our lives, why is it that we're leaning so much on a position? Why is it that we're leaning so much on positions in order to figure out what in the world we're doing with our lives? And so this is what occurs. We look at a position, we want it, and because of that, we pour all of our life, watch this, into the practice of just that. And what if there's so much more to it than just that? Not saying it's not important. It's very important. Do your job well, amen? If you're going to work tomorrow, work with excellence. Show up on time, amen? Amen? If you're a supervisor in here, say amen. Thank you. A lot of supervisors here. 
So we automatically assume that it's just his job to step onto a grand stage, make a bunch of announcements, and, and, and really it just makes us feel like he's one-dimensional. And a lot of times when it comes to our life and the plans that God has for us, we're looking at them one-dimensionally. Because from a young age, we were trained to get a job, get a career, and hey, get a job. Look at your neighbor and say, get a job. It's a good thing to do. But you're bigger than your job. The plans, for, the plans of God for your life are bigger than your career. Amen? Not trying to diminish anything from what you do. It's important what you do, but that's not all there is to you. In fact, if, that, if you make your life all about that, there's a high possibility that you can lose some things that are important in your life. Come on, somebody. Can we knock on that door a little bit? If your life is all about what you do for a living and you don't put time into anything else, you will probably lose a lot of the things that you worked so hard to get. That's good stuff right there. That's for the family series someday. But I want to slide it in there because when we build our entire life around it, it becomes the central focus of everything. And when it becomes the central focus, a lot of the things in the peripheral come out of vision and we don't give it the attention that is needed. But I want to appeal to something to you today, that there is so much more in you than just your job and your career. Amen? And again, not taking away from it because you're probably really, really good at what you do. You probably put a lot of time and effort and investment into what you do. And you should do that. But I, I want to take you up to another level today. Amen. I want to bring you to the place to where you not just see your life from this view that every day you see it from. Let me say it from the view of our checkbook. Can we look at it from a different view than our bank accounts and begin to look at it from the view of God's word? from what God says and what God's plans are for your life. Because I believe this, when we start looking at it from his perspective, it's going to help elevate us in those places. You don't believe me? Jesus encountered some commercial fishermen, and this is what he told me. He said, if you will follow me, I will make you fishers. They were already fishers, but he said, I'll make you fishers of men. Some people think that means I can't fish anymore. That means I'm going to use your fishing platform to affect other people's lives. Follow me. Follow me. Because I got more for your life than just fishing. Because everyday fishing, although I would like to do that, okay? Everyday fishing becomes a job and it gets OLD after a little while. Amen? Some of you are like, no, I don't. <laughs> Purpose. Purpose. So this platform that God chooses to show Elijah what his purpose was, watch this, it wasn't grand. It wasn't the highlight reel. It wasn't the big stage. It was a small town. It was a lady that wasn't well known. And God uses someone in obscurity to reveal something big, not just to this man of God, but also to this woman. And sometimes we're waiting for the highlight. We're waiting for God to roll out the highlight to show you how grand it's going to be. And because we're looking in the highlight, we're missing because God shows it in the humble. Did you hear that? We're looking for it in the highlight and God reveals it in the humble places. He reveals it in the small places. And there's a purpose. There's a reason that he does that. 
as we look at this chapter, we see that God's purpose for Elijah isn't being revealed in one event. And it would be so convenient for us if when we were about 18 years old with our life, if every single plan that God had for us could be jotted down and put into this nice little workbook. You know what I'm saying? With the little binding on the edge, hardcover on top, because over time it's going to wear out a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. And we could just refer back to it over and over and make sure that we're following it to a T. And God chooses to do it differently than that. And rather than just using one event, he brings us to places. He brings us to people. And through those places and through those people, God begins to drop clues and hints and little things that just kind of point us in the right direction. And I believe this. I believe that if we're tuned into God's presence, if we're really tuned into God, seeking him first, then all of those things begin to make sense. When we're not tuned into God because his ways are higher than ours, when we're not tuned into him, we don't have a good view of it. We're left trying to interpret it like we're in the back of a line. You ever been in traffic before and you're trying to figure out what's going on way up there, especially like on the interstate? You're just backed up and you're not supposed to stop on the interstate, but you're stopped in traffic and as far as you can see, there's cars. You're probably the person that drifts over a little bit into like the, the you know, the, 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 the shoulder and you're drifting in the shoulder because you're trying to see what's happening all the way over there. You can't see it from this side. And so you get back in your lane and you're that guy that turns the blinker on. You know what I'm saying to get up? You never use your blinker in your life to this point. Now you turn the blinker on and you get over in the other lane. Now you want to use the other shoulder so you can possibly see. And there's always that person that comes flying on the shoulder. Don't be that person. Amen. Don't be that person. Can I hear a better amen? Don't be that person. Nobody likes you. We want to get there too. Say, I've been saving that because now it's traveling season. Been saving that. What we see in this story is that God is revealing some stuff to Elijah through a series of events. It wasn't just one thing. It was a series of events in his life that are beginning to add up. And as he's just doing a little simple math, it's adding up and it's making sense. And he's realizing, I'm not just somebody that just speaks. Watch this. I'm not just a puppet for God. Come on. I'm not just a puppet that just says whatever God tells me to say. I've got a purpose for my life. And God's going to use me to affect somebody's life. This is the perspective that he's gained. He didn't know that from the beginning. He just, followed, he just followed what God told him to do. Now he finds himself dealing with situations that don't look so grand. But God has him in this position where it's not grand, but it's showing him a whole lot. I think we go through some of those events in our life where it's not the greatest of moments, but yet we're learning a lot. Those seasons, those events, those happenings where you can't even wrap your mind around why. Or how this could be happening. But through it, you're learning some things about yourself that you didn't know. You didn't know you were capable of handling that kind of stress. Someone that would have told you this was going to happen to you, you would have ran fast. No blinker. You just would have got out of there. But now you find yourself in the middle of a situation and it's stressing you out. But watch this. You're praying like you've never prayed before. You're closer to God than you've ever been. You got a network of friends that you never ever thought you'd have. Come on, somebody. You're doing things, you're conquering things you never thought you could conquer. 
You didn't know you had that in you. But that place, those people, God used them to bring out, watch this, your best. He knew. He knew how to get the best out of you. We watch these athletes play. You ever watch a blowout where your team's winning so much, you change the channel? I know. Your team's just blowing them out. You ever went to a ball game before and it was early on and they just took the lead and you're like, we got this, let's go to the house. Don't have to deal with traffic. Sometimes we assume that's how it's going to be. Those athletes, we're grateful, but by halftime, they're sitting on the bench. But when your team's down by 20, and there's only a little bit of time left in the game, that guy that they put in there that makes the big shot, that scores whenever all the pressure is on, that's the guy. That's the guy that we look at. That's the guy who is valuable. I wonder if we could judge you according to athletic standards with your life situation. Some of you, you're probably doing a lot better than what you think. Somebody needed to hear that today. There's a mama, you're doing a lot better than what you think. There's a, there's a husband in here who's doing a lot better than what you think. There's a young person in here, you got all the pressure in the world from your family on you. Trying to tell you, you need to be this, you need to do that. Everybody's telling you what you ought to do. You're probably doing better than what you think. And we don't always see it that way because we don't understand how God is working. We thought this one-stop shop would show us all. But in this story with Elijah, this is what we see. And I want you to follow me a little bit here. What if he didn't go to the brook when he prophesied there would be a drought? And he decided, I'm going to take care of myself. He may have not heard God say, go to Zarephath to meet with the widow to help her out in that situation. That leaves a couple of people in need. That leaves Elijah in need, but it also leaves a widow in need because he needed her, but she needed him too. So it's a good thing that when God said prophesy the drought, he did what God told him to do. And then when God said, go hang out and live by this brook, that he listened to God and went and lived by the brook. Even though all the details were not worked out, he was just doing and working with what God gave him. A lot of times we're waiting for God to give us all the details before we start working it. Can I tell you what you do have? Start working with it. If God told you join that e-group, just join the e-group. Do you have to know what it all means yet? You're probably not going to know what it all means, but that e-group, that e-group night may happen where you're there and you thought the e-group was there to help you and it just gets switched on you and you wind up helping somebody else in the group. Now it starts making sense and you start saying, man, I was glad I was there. And then that other person is saying, I'm glad you came. We didn't see it like that because I don't do those things. I don't do eager. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a very private person. I'm introverted. I don't share my life with people. Don't do that. Can I just say this? Everywhere that you say, I don't do that, God says, okay. Don't lift my hand. I don't do that. God's like, all right. He's going to get up there again next week and say, come on, everybody, lift your hands. And I'm going to mess with you about it till you do it. I don't pray in public. I don't pray in public. Ask a couple of those ladies that shared on this Mother's Day panel. It's amazing. God will knock on your door in the places where you say, I don't do that. And next thing you know, that's what God wants you to do. 
It's a good thing that Elijah was hearing from God because now he winds up helping a widow who winds up helping him. And he stays there with her a little while. And then her son dies. It was probably good that Elijah was there now that we read the rest of this story. Am I right? Even though she had a few complaints about him and what he possibly brought upon their family. It was a good thing that he was there because now he's in a place to do something he never ever thought he could do. I just want to say this. If you're a man of God and you raise somebody from the dead, your, your level of legitimacy just went to another level. I'm just saying. I haven't done it yet. You know, I haven't. But I'm sure if it did occur, I'm sure uh, a few of you probably say, yeah, that dude's legit. I, I'm, just, I'm just projecting my thoughts because I look at the guy and I think he's a pretty good prophet. But when you raise somebody from the dead, we're talking about next level. But I just think of it from this perspective. He just did something he's never done before. And there is no large audience to observe it. It's just a widow. It doesn't feel like all the highlights usually feel. Because it's in a private place. But if it works in private, it works in public. Did you hear that? If it works in private, it'll work in public. We spend a lot of time trying to make it work in public, but we're not getting it right in private. And God brings him to this place and he starts working it. And a miracle occurs. So watch this. Even though he's a prophet and we just think all he's going to do is speak... We see God using him in a capacity that is shocking. You ever had a friend that maybe you grew up with, went to school with, and you just thought for sure it would be a miracle if they did anything significant with their life? Don't laugh at them. But you know what I'm saying. I had a friend of mine who, he was in school, and one of his teachers told him that he would never amount to anything. Seriously. Told him he would never amount to anything. And this guy wound up becoming a contractor, and one day he went to do a bid on a job and come to find out it was that same teacher that told him that. At this point in his life, he had become very, very wealthy through some good breaks that he had and through some smart decisions that he made. And when he was meeting with the guy at first, he didn't recognize him. But as they were talking, he realized this was that teacher. And it was one of those moments, I guess you could say, of redemption where he felt pretty good because this was the guy that told him he would never make it. And now he's talking to a guy that doesn't even have enough money to do the renovation that he needs to do on his house so that it can be livable. Wow. Tables have turned, am I right? Be careful what you say to people. Be careful what you believe. You never know what God can do with you in your life. As I look at this story... With Elijah, I'm so impressed by it because it makes me feel a little more comfortable about how God reveals things to me in my life. Is this okay with you all today that we're talking about this? Like it makes me feel a little bit better because sometimes I feel the pressure to have all the answers right now. I feel the pressure to have answers for you right now. And I've become okay with this, this answer. I don't know. <laughs> I have. I've become okay with it because I found that God works really well in the valley of I don't know. I do. Because in the valley of I don't know, that's where I learned this is what I do know. 
I do know that God is faithful. I do know that God provides. I do know that God is going to speak. I do know that God is with me. I do know, like that's the things that I do know. And when I'm reminded of that, I'm comforted even in those places where I don't have all of the answers. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people in here who don't know the answers that wish I could tell you straight from the pulpit right here today exactly every little thing that you need to do. And I cannot do that. And if you want to get you some coffee and a bagel and head out, I understand. But I want you to hear this because I want to take your thinking to another level today that your purpose is greater than the positions that you hold. Any title that you have in your life, the purpose of God for your life is greater than all of those. All of those positions, that doesn't mean you throw them away, but they're all clues. They're all hints to really what God has planned for your life. And if we learn how to put it all together, it will all begin to make sense. So back to the story of Elijah. He obeys God, prophesies the drought. Follow with me, okay? Then he goes, live by a brook. He's obeying God. God's feeding him. God's taking care of him. The supply runs out. And now he's going because God told him to go see the widow. He goes, sees the widow. She has no food. She's got no money. I mean, life isn't looking too good. And so he steps in, acts like a prophet, does what he's supposed to do, relies on the principles of God. God provides for her, and then she's able to help him. Keep going. The, uh, the widow's son dies, and because Elijah is there, he's able to raise her from the dead. This is a progression of events that is revealing what he is able to do. And so he's not just a speaking prophet. God is using him to do some miracles. What if he just limited himself to just being a speaking prophet? We wouldn't be talking about him today. We would. He wouldn't be our subject. But because he went further than his position and he begins to step into some roles and do some things that are just bigger than the position that was granted to him, it catches our attentions because it makes us wonder, what could God do with me? What can God do with you in the places that he has put you and the positions of leadership that he has placed you in and the different jobs and careers and the schools that you are in every day of your life? What is the possibility of what God can do with the circle of influence that he has given you, the sphere of people in your life? What is the possibility of what God could do? And when we read this story and we really look at it, it does make us ask God, what are you doing to me? Especially when you got crazy people around you. All right? Like, God, what are you doing? What I want you to see is that each step led him to more and more of what he needed to know. And the step that you're in right now is showing you something that you need to know that's part of a big picture. And watch this. If you begin to add up experiences in your life and different things that God exposed you to, different people that God exposed you to, watch this. Whether they are good or bad, when you start looking at it, you see how God was basically directing your life through it all. See, God's plan for your life isn't just from A to B. I need you to hear this. It's not just from A to B. It's all over the place, y'all. All over the place. It will take you to places you never thought you would go. It will take you to places and say, I don't want to go back there again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It will take you to places where you say, I could stay there forever. It'll take you to places where it's like, this is as good as it gets. It'll take you to places where it's like, ah, that is the worst thing ever. It'll bring you around people that are so good. It'll bring you around people that are so bad. But God's in it all. And he's using each piece and each part to take you somewhere that you couldn't have figured out to go on your own. And all of it is a part of God revealing his grand purpose for your life. 
So watch this. When we define our lives by our positions, we limit how God can use us. We won't recognize or step onto some different platforms or opportunities that God has been setting up for us. We won't do it. Because we'll just think this is all there is to me. If your career, if that's all there is to you, let's say you retired at 55. Come on, anybody aiming for that? Let's say you retired at 55. Who are you after you retire? If your life was all about that, who are you? That's another place where you're trying to figure out who you are. Think about this. Think about people who are dealing with empty nests. Their kids grow up and they go on to college and now they're home by themselves. If their whole life is centered around just being a mom and a dad and now their kids are gone, now they've got to find out who they are all over again. Can I tell you, God has more for you. That doesn't discount your children. That doesn't take away your responsibilities. What does it do? It enhances all of that stuff because you realize that God is so big that your life can contain so much more. Many are the plans that God has for you in your life. Amen. Many. David said like this. He said, your plans for me are too numerous to write down. It's pretty incredible. But when you think of David, you think of a couple of things. Killed a giant committed adultery, and became a king. That's what we think about. But David, it's said about him like no one else. He said, after David fulfilled the purpose in his generation, he died. That's the only person it says it about in the entire Bible. That impresses me. Because that tells me that David was a part of doing something so much bigger than just a position. And he was a part of so much something so much bigger than just trying to atone for his sin. Are you grabbing this today? That David was involved in what God was doing. And because of it, he was blessed. And because of it, it opens the door for Jesus, who was the Messiah. And if you go and read it, David was in the bloodline of Jesus. It's pretty incredible. I wonder what God is setting you up for. I wonder what God is doing in you so he can work through you. So the whole point of this message was supposed to be talking about the confidence to know what God has for your life. And I want to give you three, let's say it like this, three things that you can be confident of. This is kind of where we're at in the series. The first thing we said, God will challenge your normal. The second thing, God will reveal your purpose. You can be confident of it. And the third thing you can be confident of is this, is that God is making all the arrangements. God's making the arrangements. In other words, he's setting it up. And we see that in the story of Elijah's life. And here's our role in it. We have to trust and follow. And so if we can define it like this, let's say it like this. God's purpose for your life is a progression. It's a progression. It's not just one and done. I went to that camp when I was a kid and God spoke to me and told me I was going to change the world. Okay, how are you going to change the world? Well, I don't know, but he said I was. That's great. Let's figure out where to start. God told me I was going to be an incredible mom that was going to raise world changes. Okay, where are we starting at? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm falling apart. This is usually our response. We see the big picture, but we don't know where to start. There's a progression. And the progression has already begun. The progression started in your life early on. And there were things and people. Listen, there was so much that God exposed you to that was playing a part in shaping you and molding you. And it was some good and it was some bad. But God's working it all together. He's making arrangements. Listen to me. He is making arrangements. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about this progression a little bit. Before we do that, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. You've read this verse before. I want to read it in the passion version. I'm passionate about this verse. Okay. Philippians 3, it says, I admit that I haven't acquired, I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. 
but I run with passion into his abundance. I like that word abundance. I'm running with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past and I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have this same position. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all, watch this, advance. Say advance. Let us all advance. Let us progress together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. So watch this. While we're trying to find our one thing, what my life is supposed to be all about, God is trying to help us discover who we are in him. This is big. Because we're trying to find a thing, and God wants us to figure out who we are in him. See, too often, we become consumed with the future. Consumed with the future of our families, our future trying to figure out my finances. Are we going to make it or are we going to be broke the rest of our lives? Trying to figure out the future. And what does God focus on? God's just trying to help us to be good followers of Jesus. Because if we're following him, he's a provider. He has wisdom. See, that's why there's a verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God first. Seek Seek righteous living, and then all these things will be added unto you. If you don't seek righteous living, you're probably going to lose some things. Think of this. Following Jesus. In a world where we're defined by successes and failures, God has the final say of who we are. That's why the verse says man has plans, but God determines our purpose. So God's purpose is a progression. Let's break it down. You ready? The progression of purpose. The first thing is this. Is conquering your pride. Conquering your pride. I believe that nothing will keep you from progressing into God's purpose like pride. Nothing will keep you from experiencing what God has for you. Like pride. Now, I know that we're taught to be proud of ourselves. And you got to have some dignity and some, some self-pride. But the kind of pride that I'm talking about is where you think that you're too good for help. The kind of pride that I'm talking about is where you won't reach out for help because you got an image to uphold. Come on, am I talking today? Are, are you grabbing this? To, to where you have become isolated into your own abilities, your own, uh, your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and that's basically all you've got. And so if we don't understand how pride holds us hostage, we look at the verse that says that God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. Now, we pray for grace, but it's going to be hard to receive grace if we're trying to live a prideful life. And so if we're constantly in a state of pride and more proud of ourselves than we are with being humble because of what God's doing, we can miss out on the grace of God that it takes to do the things that God has prepared for us to do. Are you grabbing this today? So most people think that the only way to conquer pride is for someone to be shamed. And we don't like that. Because the last thing we want, I mean, imagine this. Imagine church being set up like this. We know what you did this week. <laughs> I'm calling you out. And you're going to come stand before the church and tell the church what you did. 
because we're going to fix you once and for all. Come on, how many of y'all, who's going first? And we just assume that that's how you break a person. That's how you break their pride, is if you just shame someone. And can I tell you, that's not how God operates. Most people say God's shaming them, and really, they're just doing a good job of it themselves. So the way that I think that God helps you to overcome pride is by using grace and mercy. Now, when you hear grace and mercy, you cannot just think of a feeling. You cannot just think of a quality, but you have to think of a person. Because grace isn't grace unless Jesus gives it. And mercy isn't mercy unless Jesus gives it. Because grace is the value. The value of grace is what it is because Jesus came and demonstrated us to it, demonstrated it to us. Are you grabbing this? So watch this. Grace is where you don't get what you did deserve punishment where you should have been wiped off the mat for your sins and God says I love them too much let's show them some grace mercy is where you do get come on you do get what you didn't deserve and the mercy of God is this is that you didn't deserve forgiveness but God chose to give it to you anyway and when you really look at the reality of what God gave you in his grace and mercy, it puts you in a place of, I didn't deserve, I did deserve, but God didn't give me what I did deserve, but he didn't give me what I did. I'm confused, I'm lost, but God, you're good. And when you reach the point of realizing how good God's been to you, it changes your perspective. Instead of seeing yourself as great, you begin to see God as great. Are you grabbing this today? And when you can acknowledge the greatness of God in your life, that your greatness only comes because he was great, that's where pride begins to break down in your life. And I ask you today, have you become prideful? Watch this. Because of your achievements and your accomplishments. Have you become prideful because of your position? Have you become prideful? And listen, I'm not talking about I don't think well of myself or I think too much. I'm, I'm talking about has your whole life become an identity of your accomplishments and all that you're doing. To the point that you just think that you're all that and a bag of chips. See, in a world where we're, where, we're, where we're learning about self-confidence, let's not forget, ultimately, our confidence comes from Him. Amen? Let's be confident, but let's make sure we're confident in the Lord. Because there are places in your life you'll go where your confidence will be zero. But if you get your confidence from God, you could be a 10. You can walk into the middle of a war and still have peace. Because the Prince of Peace, Jesus, is with you. Are you grabbing this? So watch this. If we can be humble about what God has for our lives, God's going to give you the grace to step right into it. That's why it's so important for us to understand that for me to progress into my purpose, and listen, you don't just go and do it. You grow into it. This is important. That's why we say grow as you go. You don't just go do it. You grow into it. And what am I growing in? I'm growing in mercy and grace. Because if I'm too prideful, I may cut people off in my life that I actually need. Can I tell you that there are people that God will put in your life that will hurt your feelings, that will help you to get to your purpose? Amen. Come on, I want a hand clap on that. Y'all don't believe me, but I'm telling you, God puts people in your life that might hurt your feelings that will open a door for you. They just might be grouchy while they're doing it. But they still open the door. Seriously. God can put some characters in your life. But that doesn't mean that it can't be used for his glory. You don't believe me? Look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a terrible man back in the Old Testament. But God used him to set up a man named Moses. 
It took Pharaoh to set up Moses. And it doesn't look good. I mean, Pharaoh's a bad guy. But God used him to open the door for Moses. What if Moses was like, God, I can't deal with Pharaoh. I'm out of here. That's not part of my life. That's too strong. He's affecting the energy of my life. The positivity isn't there. God's like, go tell the man to let my people go. Come on, I feel like this is so needed because we're, we're waiting for magical moments. We're waiting for the little magic eight ball to come. Let me spin it around today. Let me go to church today and pray and shake it around and see what comes up. Oh, there's a good verse. There's a good answer. Oh, man, it's a progression of purpose. It's a progression. And part of the progression is our pride being tore down. Pride where we're, we're too good to serve. Pride where we think we're too much... Uh, giving. Why should I have to give? That's prideful stuff. God can use that kind of stuff to usher you right into your purpose. But it's little things, little opinions that we build up over time that's holding us to our limitations. Got to conquer your pride. God gives grace to the humble. Here's the next thing. Redeeming your past. Here's the second part. Progression of purpose is redeeming your past. So Jesus, he's a redeemer. It means he takes what's broken, used, and abused, and he makes it new again. He's not just repairing. He's making it new, okay? So part of the issue with our past is this, is that we live more, we're living more to repair it than we are living to let him redeem it. We're working so hard to fix all the broken stuff in our lives, but can I tell you, that's his job. Because it involves sin. It involves sin. It involves sins that we committed because a lot of the things from our past are things that we did that we regret. And things that happened to us that are regretful. And it involves sin. And we're trying to conquer that and repair that. And a lot of times the way we're trying to repair it is to reinforce everything around us so that doesn't happen to us again. And literally what we're doing is we're taking these matters into our own hands instead of letting Jesus be the Redeemer. This is why we're holding grudges. This is why we're holding grudges. Can't forgive ourselves. Can't forgive others. Because it's a protection mechanism that we have built into ourselves that make us think that as long as I feel this way, I will never, I will never do that again and I'll never let anybody else do that to me again. But yet we find ourselves going absolutely nowhere. And the chances that we should have took, we didn't take. Why? It wasn't our pride. It was our fear. It was this whole little thing that we've been holding ourselves to because we're trying to repair it. We're trying to repair what God can redeem. Are you hearing this today? So what is redemption then, Pastor Wade? And, and, and how does Jesus do that? Well, it's a healing process. It's such a healing process to where you reach the point. Watch this, and this is strong. You reach the process to where you're able to say, even though that was bad, now that I look at it, it really worked out for good. Some of y'all don't like that. But it really worked out for good because if it didn't change, and that didn't happen, even though it was bad. If that didn't happen, I might not be where I'm at today. If God didn't work in my life in such a way to help me to take a step then, 
I wouldn't be here today. And I didn't like that situation. I didn't like that problem. I didn't like none of it. But I found out some things about me now that I didn't know before I got into that. Before that relationship, come on, before that mess that went on at work, before those people did that to me, before I made the biggest mistake in my life, I didn't know this about myself, but I grew through it. I kept going, and because I kept going, I kept growing. And now I'm able to look back at it, and even even though at one point I thought it was a stumbling block, now I look back and I see how Jesus completely redeemed it, and now it feels more like a stepping stone for me. Because had it not been for that, I wouldn't have this relationship that I have with Jesus. And I wouldn't have the influence over my kids to love God like I have right now. Come on, I feel it now. I feel it now. I didn't know that God can redeem it like that I thought it was so bad all this time but now I'm looking at it and I'm realizing all right all right I got you I see how you work at one time I thought it was bad and now I'm realizing can I say this can I say this it was good it was good that that door closed I applied for that job I put everything into it I put my heart and soul into that resume. I had 10 people look at it. They all had different opinions, but I came up with my own version anyway. I nailed that interview. I thought this was going to be the answer. And they sent me a Dear John letter. Told me, thank you for applying and for your interest. We'll keep your resume on file. And that door slammed right in my face. And I thought all my life was over. This is for somebody graduating from college, man. I thought all my life was over. I was going to be broke for the rest of my life. I didn't realize that company was going to shut down a year later. And I'm thankful now that God closed that door. Because if he hadn't closed that door, I wouldn't be in the stable position that I'm in today. Come on. But we don't look at it that way. Because we're approaching so much of life as a victim. And we feel like everything bad is happening to us that we can't even see the good. The no was actually God protecting you from something crazy. But you just saw it as, I never get the breaks. I never get all the big breaks. And God's like, if you only knew how much I was protecting you from craziness in your life. If you only knew. See, God wants to redeem our past so that we're not living out of our past but in the present watch this in our present moment we can recognize what God is doing right now and there's a possibility that you don't hear what God's saying you can't see what he's doing because we're trying to fix the past and God's like I'm trying to roll out red carpet for your future but every time you see red you associate it with something that happened to you back then and you're like I don't walk on red carpet and God's like well this is the runway this is the way to go. But you've got to conquer some pride because as long as you're saying, I don't, I don't, God's like, but we can. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take us. I can't step there, God. It reminds me too much of something. God's like, I have already redeemed it. I've already redeemed it. Those broken relationships, he's redeeming. How's he redeeming it? I'm just trusting him each step I go. Can I fix it? No. There are some relationships you're just not going to be able to fix. Why? Why? Because there's people's will involved in it. And some people just don't want it. I know, you want it like a pretty answer. God's going to make it all good. That's after the tribulation and the rapture and all that stuff. Some of those people might not make it. Just make sure you do. Romans 8, 28. I've been waiting to get to this verse. And we know 
And we know that God causes what things? All things. Not just the good stuff. The bad stuff. Come on. The time where you had no money. The time where you got divorced. Come on. The time where you got left out. The time where you won the championship. The time where you got the job. The time that you didn't get invited to that party. Come on. He uses it all. He says, we know that God calls us all things. Everything. Not just select things. But he calls us all things to what? Work together. That's why I said he's making arrangements. He's just working it together. You think that because something went bad that it knocked God off the throne? Oh, this went bad in Shane's life. Jesus fell off the throne. Jesus is like, this is why I'm on the throne. To help you when everything falls apart. Let me help you walk through this. What is he doing? He's helping to redeem the past. He's helping put it all together. And we know that God causes all things to work together for what? For the good. For the what? Come on, I need to hear you say that better. For the what? Good. Is he trying to punish you or is he trying to save you? Sounds like he's trying to save you. That's who he is. He is a savior. And so he causes it all to work together for good. For the good of those who what? Love God and are called according to his purpose. It's a progression. All of those things, it's a progression. All of the different things that happen in your life, good or bad, it's a progression. And I wish you didn't have to go through it, but you are who you are today because you went through it. And God says, let's capitalize on it now. You learned some independence through some things that you didn't have growing up. And now God says, let's capitalize on that independence. Let me put you in some situations that most people would be afraid of, but yet you will thrive because you know how to walk alone. I exposed you to some things in my presence. You went to that church and you thought it was silly because people were shaking and baking. But I exposed you to some stuff there that you wouldn't get in some other places. And you're trying to figure out what that's all that's for. What is God trying? God's like, I needed you to see my power in a way that other people didn't so that you could bring my power to situations where they would never, ever expect that I would show up. Come on. I put you around people that worship like that. Not just so that you could be an observer, but you could see somebody who walked through hell and made it out and came out celebrating on the other side. Come on. And there's a reason that they're singing and shouting like that. It's because if it wasn't for God, they wouldn't be where they are today. I put you in that Sunday school class when you were a kid and made you memorize those verses. And you hated every part of it. You hated your mom and dad because they made you go to youth group all the time. But I brought you there so you would learn that lesson. And you would learn that verse because there was a day that was coming that you would need the verse. There was a group of people that you would stand in front of and you say, I got nothing. But you remembered that one verse from Sunday school class when you were eight years old. And now it's just flowing out. And you're like, where did that come from? And God's like, I planted it in your heart a long time ago remember when your mama made you go and you thought I don't like this thing but you went anyway and God put it in there and now he's using it for good come on somebody I feel so good about this I wish you felt the way I felt about it about the trip over these wires up here God can work with whatever kind of past you have and watch this none of it he doesn't throw away any of it he uses it all he redeems it all. Here's the last thing. And this one's so important. Progression of purpose. Yeah, he wants to redeem your past. Yeah, he wants to help you conquer your pride. But he's going to stretch you into your potential. This is the part. See, this prophet Elijah, 
the son had died, the widow's son. And it says that he brought the son to the place where he was staying. And he stretched himself out over the boy three times. Stretched himself. And I've learned this about the purpose of God. It'll stretch you. It'll stretch you in ways you never thought that you could be stretched. Your time will be stretched. Your mental capacity will be stretched. Your emotional capacity will be stretched. And this is where everybody's like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. But there's so much in there. The son had died. Elijah stretches himself out over. And what was he doing? He was stretching himself into something that he had never, ever done before. And I don't know how it feels for you, but every time God asks me to take a step, it stretches something. It stretches my schedule. It stretches my opinions that I have worked so diligently to form so I can have good arguments and win stretches my beliefs because I tend to see God as only able to do what I think he can do when God is so much bigger stretches my perspective because I realize that God wants to bring out the good in us instead of just punish all the bad it makes me realize that my religion has been my trap my religion is my belief system that I formed about God that fits around. Notice how I said that. Fits around my lifestyle. Instead of it being convictions. It's more confessions of my opinions. When ultimately God's trying to bring me to the place, watch this. Surrender. That's the place. The sweet spot. I would write this down. The sweet spot for your purpose is surrender. The point where you are completely surrendered to God. Hold on before you get excited. Here's surrender. When you're willing to give it all up. Even the things that made you successful for Him. That's surrender. When I'm willing to give it all up, even the things that made me successful for Him. That's where I know I'm in the sweet spot of surrender. And that's hard. But every one of us, as we hear that, that knocks on the door of our heart and says, I knew that already. This message today, as inspiring as it is, it's also convicting. It's convicting to speak it because... It's not just a great message. It's a great life. And it's one that every day, it's a conquering of pride. It is. It's letting God redeem the past. I'm pretty good at fixing things. I am. Man, God's so much better. And when I try to do what only he can do, it makes a mess. Stretching. Some things I don't mind. Other things I hate. Can I be honest? Some messages I love to preach, man. I can't wait to preach them. Other messages, let's get a guest speaker. That's not why we get the guest speakers. Pastor Joey will be speaking those. No, no, I'm just messing with you. Just messing with you. 
You laugh, but anyway, no. <laughs> Where's God stretching you right now? Maybe as a parent, God's stretching you. As your child enters a new stage, they went from being that adorable kid to now they're progressing into adulthood. It's like, what do we have here? A lot of you in them. Look, it ain't nothing like when your kids point you out for something that you do and now they're doing it. The other day, my oldest son pointed out some things about my driving that he's now doing. He said it to his mama. She asked me, why am I doing that? I said, the better question is, why is he? I'm committed, though, to live out God's purpose for my life. To live for much more, watch this, than just being a pastor. I want to be a good pastor. I do. But God's got so much more for my life than just being a pastor that stands up here and gives you three points on a Sunday and goes about ten minutes over. Some of y'all are laughing because you're like ten minutes. There's so much more. And I want to flip it because there's so much more to your life than just being that supervisor, than just being in that position, than just being a mom and a dad and those things are great, than just being a husband and a wife and those things are great. But watch this. I have learned from my own life, and this weekend marks eight years that my family moved here. I've seen how God not only just used me and not just used my wife, Cynthia, but used my whole entire family to bring about his purposes for our lives. My kids had a part in it. Can I tell you that? My kids had a part in it. And I'm thankful that God did it that way. Because if I only saw it one-dimensionally, that this is all that God wanted to do in my life, I probably would have excluded them. I would have excluded them. I probably would have excluded Cynthia and said, this is my job. This is more than my job. This is what God has for my life. And this isn't just, watch this, this isn't just limited to ministry. This is our life. And if I can get you to see that there's more to you than just your position, and you begin to step in God's purpose as you walk in your positions, it'll open up your life to fulfillment like you have never, ever experienced before. But it's been progressing. And if you will just stop for a moment and look over the course of your life, you'll begin to see the roadmap where it led you and where it got you to. Calculate every experience that you had, every class that you took, there are things that I learned years ago that I didn't know why I needed to know it. And now that I'm doing what God called me to do, I'm sitting there saying, thank God I learned that. Because I didn't know that this came with the territory. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're here today and you hear this message and, and you understand the purpose that God has for you and you want to live it, you want to fulfill it. There was one thing that I said today that is so key. And that is surrendering. And before we start talking about the direction of your life and doing this and doing all these great things, let us look at where we are right now. Because perhaps you're not where you need to be with God. Perhaps you've been living life for yourself, doing your own thing. But you realize now that it's time to surrender completely. Perhaps you've been putting this off. It's time to just completely surrender your life to Jesus. And if you're here today and you're away from God, 
in whatever capacity. Maybe you grew up in church and you drifted away and you find yourself at church here today. Perhaps this is your first time ever in a service like this. But yet, as we're speaking, you feel this tug, you feel this pulling, this drawing. That's the Holy Spirit. And God is saying, I brought you here today because I want to save your life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, will you pray for me today? I need to give my life to Jesus. Surrender my life completely. No more running for me. I'm coming home today. Would you just slip a hand up real quick and you can put it down. Anyone today say, Pastor, pray for me. Come on, anyone else? Today is my day, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to live a life of purpose. Anyone else? Several hands have gone up. You're not the only one. You can put them down. I see them. Anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. Amen. Come on. Every Sunday morning, I love praying this prayer together. And I invite you to, to, to say it right along with us. We're going to say it out loud. You'll repeat it. Everyone throughout the whole congregation will be saying it so it won't just be you. But put your heart into it as we pray this today. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the good plans that you have for my life. I open up my heart to you and I ask you to fill my life, to save my life, to wash me, to cleanse me, to make me a new person. I surrender all to you, all of my life, my opinions, my beliefs, and I make a decision today to follow you, to follow your ways. Thank you for going to the cross and taking my punishment so that I could be forgiven. Thank you for giving me another chance. And this chance I take, and I choose you to follow you and to become everything you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. For every person that prayed that prayer.